Well, good evening, everyone. This is the uh, Monday, July 1, 2019 meeting of the Astoria City Council. A roll call, Mr. Pearson. Councilor Herman? Here. Councilor Brown? Here. Councilor West? Here. Councilor Rockham? Here. Mayor Jones? Here. We have one proclamation tonight. I'll read the proclamation and then we'll go up to the uh, podium for presentation and uh, photo opportunity if anyone would like a photo. A proclamation, whereas the City of Astoria recognizes parks and recreation programs and facilities are an integral part of communities across the United States, and in particular, their value to the City of Astoria, and whereas the parks and recreation programs and activities are highly important to establishing and maintaining the quality of life in Astoria, ensuring the health of citizens, and contributes to the economic and environmental well-being of Astoria and the region, and whereas the City of Astoria offers a variety of parks and recreation opportunities designed for all ages and interests, including popular recreation programs, child care, special events, well-maintained parks, aquatic programs, community partnerships, and volunteer opportunities, and whereas the City of Astoria Department desires to enhance the quality of life for all Astoria residents by providing exceptional recreational and educational opportunities through its parks and recreation programs, and I might add they do that. They don't just intend to, they do it. Now therefore, I, Mayor Bruce Jones, on behalf of the City Council, do hereby proclaim July 2019 as National Parks and Recreation Month and encourage all citizens to get your game on during July and enjoy the many benefits our parks, trails, aquatics, and recreation offer for a better quality of life. Signed, uh, Bruce Jones, City of Astoria, Mayor. And I believe we have uh, Carla Oya, Mr. Williams, and I'm, I'm not sure who else is here from the board. Tara is also here. All right, full game. Columbia 
plan a picnic at Tapiola Lindstrom or McClure Parks, which are just a few of our well-maintained parks. Take, take a hike up Cathedral Tree Trail through and through or through Shively Park. Please don't forget about our indoor opportunities for recreation and play. We have a state-of-the-art aquatic center, fitness classes, and summer camps and child care are all available. The opportunities this summer are endless. However you, you, however you choose to game on this summer, I hope to see you there. One last thing I would like I'd love to see how how many amazing local community um, visits to the park for getting your game on. Um, share your experience on hashtag game on Astoria or hashtag game on July when visiting our parks or participating in activities. Thanks so much. Thanks, Mr. Williams. Uh, board members, uh, Ms. Oyah representing tonight, and uh, Ms. Hernandez is uh, sick tonight, couldn't be here, but for all the board members, thank you so much for all the hours you, you give to our parks to help make it excel. Reports of the councilors, uh, Mr. Roca, Councilor Roca. Uh, short week, which I have been absent for most of the time since the last meeting. Um, I attended the court meeting in which they accepted their executive director's presentation, represented the city at the meeting to adopt the present budget, attended the St. Paul fundraiser at the harbor originally, and then left the next day to visit uh, family and uh, so on in California and returned to the week last night. So that's all I've got. Thank you. Ms. West. Mine's pretty short and sweet too. Um, attended some of the, the same the Super Bowl fundraiser as well as the ABA benefit night at the Fort George, which was great. Um, what I really wanted to say is thanks so much to everyone that came out to my meet and greet last week. Uh, pretty much the, the topic of the evening was traffic, and that was a really uh, good discussion to have, so there was a lot that, that came out of that. Um, but I know people are busy, and so it was, it was another great turnout and, and lots to talk about. So I'll let you guys know Thank you, Mayor. Um, also very short. Uh, this is a nice, quiet couple weeks for me. I got a lot done at home and on other projects. I did go to the Super Bowl at the harbor, and uh, um, again, a great cause. And this community is extremely fortunate to have advocates for sexual and all sorts of other domestic abuse issues that come up, and they are advocates for those that are being injured. And um, so I was, this is actually the first time I've been able to go to the Super Bowl events. They've been having these for a long time, and every time I decide to go to one, it's at the last minute, and they're sold out. So they do get a lot of good community support. Um, otherwise, uh, I did have a Meet the Counselor event, and uh, I do appreciate those who do come uh, and see me and talk to me. And um, I am available by phone, by email, uh, any way. Somebody wants to talk to me about city business, please feel free to contact. Thank you. Thank you. Councilor? Yes, thank you, Mayor. Um, I also held a Meet the Counselor event last week. I guess that was the week to do it. And um, we had six citizens gathered around talking about waterfront development, 
homelessness, workforce housing, um, all sorts of issues. So I always appreciate those opportunities to learn from people what's on your minds. But I wanted to give some shout outs, um, in particular to Jessica Schleif. She's a horticulturist, but I like to think of her as a plant artist. She does beautiful things things um, in gardens around our community. I want to thank her and all the volunteers who've been working hard to beautify the Tidal Rock Park, which is really below ground level at 15th and Duane Street. If you haven't been by recently, go take a look. They really transformed it with a lot of sweat equity into a beautiful green space right within downtown. It's a nice place for quiet meditative moments uh, to get out of the wind. And they have work parties the second Saturdays of the month. Um, so I encourage any of you who are able to turn out for those. But it's really become a beautiful place. It is one of our parks, um, but Jessica and her volunteers adopted it. So they've assumed responsibility for maintaining it. And I don't want to forget to thank Jonah Dart-McLean, the park's maintenance supervisor, because he brought a whole load of park chips by about a week or so ago. Um, that they spread at the park, so it really looks nice. And I just want to make sure everyone knows that we have a big ribbon cutting this Wednesday at 5.30 at the 13th Street Alley. And if you haven't been by that, you really want to check it out. It's beautiful, it's bright, um, the transformation is really impressive. So thanks to the Astoria Downtown Historic District Association for spearheading that project, and artist Andy Sterling and um, I know she's had at least one assistant helping her. So it's, again, it's taken this dark, maybe a little bit ominous alley, made it bright and inviting. And then finally, I just want to make note of some new businesses downtown that were delivered flowers about a week ago by the uh, Downtown Association Business Development Committee. Um, they are Jody Ray Photography, Myers Therapy, Blue Collar Collective, Baylor Whiskey Bar, Reclamation, which is, a, I guess, a smaller uh, vintage hardware type of place, Astoria Smoke and Vape, Curry and Cocoa, and Schweiderts or Schweiderts Candy, which is um, in the old building that used to have medical supply at 12th and Marine, and Steve uh, Mansfield, who used to own the building, Said they have some 50 kinds of jelly beans. So I encourage you to go in there if you have a sweet tooth. That's it. Thanks, Counselor. Uh, last week, the American Legion Department of Oregon held their statewide annual convention here in Astoria, which was great because there were about 200 attendees from all over the state staying in our hotels and shopping or eating in our restaurants. And I had the honor of being their guest speaker um, last Wednesday night which was a pleasure. They had veterans there uh, dating back as far as World War II and Korean War and then some earlier or later wars as well. Uh, I also attended last week the uh, ribbon cutting on the new Coast Guard housing, the expansion uh, phase two of the Triumph housing. They now have a total of, they opened 12 new units, uh, a couple of duplexes and a couple of fourplexes. And uh, they now have a total of 126 units, which is great to see that Coast Guard, and it's for E6 and below, enlisted personnel only, officers are on their own, and uh, it's great that our enlisted personnel have a, have a nice place to live. And it also takes some of the pressure off of uh, the upward, uh, upward movement in housing prices with that extra units on the market here. 
Um, I did learn that uh, the best time to have a meet the mayor event is immediately after all the other councilors have had to meet the council members. People are burned out. So Katie was there. And I think there are three other people besides uh, Ms. Frankowitz from the paper. So uh, I'll just keep doing it that way from now on, I think. Uh, must have been some uh, policy burnout that last week. So I look forward to the next one. I did attend the Super Bowl also, a great event. Um, attended some wonderful uh, concerts at the Liberty Theater uh, two weeks ago with uh, Sergey and Ilya on consecutive nights. And uh, speaking of the Liberty, I think most of you probably saw the news uh, in the newspaper this afternoon. Uh, congratulations to the Liberty Theater for receiving a $1 million state grant towards their stage renovation and improvement uh, project. And a little kudos to their executive director and their board who traveled to Salem to advocate for that. Kudos to Senator Betsy Johnson, who is always looking out for our community. And also, I think uh, the people who in the past have done so much to raise money for the Liberty that sort of set the stage for being successful uh, with you know, implementing with use of funds. And uh, while we're on that note, uh, you may have also read in the paper about a $1 million uh, grant coming to the city of Astoria to conduct pollution remediation at the site of the Astoria warehousing uh, facility. And as you know, that facility closed down about a year and a half ago with the loss of about two dozen jobs. And I just want to make a comment that one of the reasons the city of Astoria received that grant in particular and the millions of dollars of other grants that our staff has received for the city over the past decades is because of the excellent track record that the city staff have and have continued to have under the leadership of Mr. Estes and also earlier Mr. Benoit. That agencies in Salem like Business Oregon and our state legislators and others, DEQ and others, know that the city of Astoria always follows through. And when it puts a request in, it's a legitimate request that's been carefully thought through and that when we're given the funds, we spend the money responsibly. We don't have to come after us to figure out are we spending this money the way it was intended to be used. So um, I'm sure there'll be more to follow about those grants in the future, but I just want to say congratulations to Mr. Estes for having established that track record that gave the state confidence to give us that money. And that's all I have. No changes to the agenda, but I would note that uh, for the council and for those in the audience, um, I have been battling this uh, this cold that's been going around, so I'm going on three weeks as well. So if my voice fades off and on, please excuse me for just a just a moment. So it's uh, it's not a fun thing, but hopefully the end is in sight. Okay. Our consent calendar items on the consent calendar are considered routine and will be adopted by one motion unless a member of the council requests to have an item considered separately. Members of the community may also have an item removed if they contact the city manager by 5 p.m. on the day of the meeting. Um, have any items been requested to be removed by the public? No requests. Uh, councilors, are there any items you wish removed? Then we may, may we have a motion to approve the consent calendar. I move we approve the consent calendar. I'll second that. Roll call. Mr. Williams. Councilor Rocca. Aye. Councilor West. Aye. Councilor Dawson. Aye. Councilor Herman. Aye. Mayor Jones. Aye. Regular agenda items. 
All agenda items are open for public comment following deliberation by the council. If you do have a comment, please just raise your hand and you'll be invited to the podium where you can give your name and address and have three minutes to speak. Item 7A is the second reading and adoption amendment request A19-01A for Riverfront <coughs> Vision Codes. So on this agenda item, the City Council held a public hearing and conducted a first reading of the ordinance at the June 17, 2019 meeting. We have Planner Rosemary Johnson here to answer any specific questions you may have after there is no presentation on this item. So if the draft code meets the council's expectations, it'd be in order for the council to hold a second reading of the ordinance, adopt the findings of fact, and adopt the ordinance included in the packet. So I'll ask if we have a, a motion for the second reading and a second, and then afterwards we'll have discussion prior to yes. the best way it's outlined. Well, so um, the only thing you need to have um, is, is uh, call for um, um, a second reading. Yes, so I'll go ahead, Ms. Brooks, second reading of the ordinance, please. An ordinance amending the Astoria Development Code concerning Riverfront Vision Overlay Zone Corrections Updates and clarification in multiple sections. And now you'll be able to ask um, for a motion. And, and Mayor, there's some, some sample um, or, um, motion language that maybe you want to read so that it, it would follow uh, some protocol. So if we could have a motion that the Astoria City Council adopt the findings and conclusions contained in the staff report and adopt the ordinance amending the Astoria Development Code. I so move. Uh, second. Council discussion. I I will just say I thanked uh, Rosemary for her extensive work the last time we had a meeting and I'd like to thank the Planning Commission this time for all of their hours spent going over the many amendments and their numerous, um, they put a lot of thoughtful care into this. It's not a public hearing, so it's no, it's a public hearing. It's closed. Sorry. Then uh, roll call vote, Mr. Harrington. Mr. Herman. Aye. Mr. Brownson. Aye. Mr. West. Aye. Mr. Rock. Aye. Aye. Uh, the city council's ruling may be appealed by any person withstanding by filing a notice of intent to appeal with the Oregon Land Use Board of Appeals, LUBA, within 21 days. If an appeal is not filed with LUBA within 21 days, the decision of the City Council shall be final. Item 7B, second reading and adoption amendment request A19-02 for transient lodging. Uh, Ms. Brooks, could we have a second reading of the ordinance? An ordinance amending the Astoria Development Code concerning transient lodging citywide. And could we have a motion that the Astoria City Council adopt the findings and conclusions contained in the staff report and adopt the ordinance amending the Astoria Development Code? So moved. Second. Council discussion? Well, well, okay. well just once again, I'll, I'll thank uh, um, the staff and the Planning Commission for their work on this too. Again, a lot of detailed work and. Uh, this is something that the council has been working on for a few years to get us to this point. And uh, I think that uh, we have had a great opportunity to pretty much get control of the home state lodging situation. So 
Yeah, I appreciate fellow council's work on this and the staff and um, uh, glad we're here. I second that. A roll call, Chief Crusher. Councilor Hearn. Aye. Councilor Brownson. Aye. Councilor Bess. Aye. Councilor Rocker. Aye. And Mayor Jones. Aye. And the, uh, the City Council's ruling may be appealed by any person withstanding by filing a notice of intent to appeal with the Oregon Land Use Board of Appeals within 21 days after this decision. If an appeal is not filed within 21 days, the decision of the City Council shall be final. Item 7C, public hearing and, and first reading of ordinance amending public contracting regulations. So, so this proposed ordinance presents an amendment and improvement to the City's contracting regulations. These amendments deal only with solicitation of contracts and the amendment proposed makes no change to the City Manager's authority to award contracts and amendments without specific authorization by the City Council whenever the contract amount is $50,000 or less. And the proposed expenditure is included in the current uh, financial uh, budget uh, year. Um, a few years ago, the City Council increased the spending authority of the City Manager uh, from $10,000 to $50,000. That does uh, not uh, make any, is not making any further changes on that provision as a part of these code amendments. Um, I will note that um, a draft code revision as well as a memorandum explaining these changes was prepared by City Attorney Henningsgard. Staff pursued these revisions in response to the current, now today, City Council goal, uh, which states, explore options for revenue generation, expense reduction, and streamlining internal processes to allow staff to focus on priorities. Uh, so we uh, have been working on this um, and uh, I'm bringing this for you. Uh, for consideration and this first day of the new fiscal year where these goals are uh, going in effect. So tonight it's recommended that Council conduct a public hearing and if in agreement with, uh, with the proposed ordinance, hold a first reading of the uh, proposal and City Attorney Henningsgaard will be uh, able to answer any uh, further questions about uh, this amendment. All right. Public hearing is now open into the ordinance uh, <coughs> amending public contracting regulations. Any takers? Public hearing is now closed. Uh, council discussion. Well, not a discussion, but, but a question. Uh, perhaps, uh, Mr. Hennigar, can you, can you clarify that for us? Uh, uh, this is, I take it, a streamlining change that's happening. Uh, are, there, are there any um, substantive changes in the way we would operate or in the authority of the city manager or anything included in the ordinance? Well, there are changes uh, to the, the city manager's authority. For example, if you, I don't know if you've had that experience, but for like sole source contracting, we were required to uh, publish a notice in the paper, you hold a public hearing, and then you decide whether or not sole source contract is appropriate. Under the new code, the city manager has authority to make that decision. So we've gone away from, I think, since I've been here, we've had probably half a dozen to a dozen of those. Nobody's ever showed up to talk about um, it's, it's things like that, that that sort of simplify the process, and in some cases, uh, just kind of codifies practices that we've already established. Thank you. <coughs> 
and also talks about this is updating, getting current with state code, state ordinance. If there are some changes, well, there are all changes. Um, the state requirements for hiring uh, professionals, that's basically like architects, uh, have for a long time uh, usurped the city's authority to make those kind of rules. They, they require a certain processes to be followed, and our code is out of line with those. Um, also, our code was somewhat out of line with the major contracting rules. So essentially what this does is for public uh, improvement contracts and for hiring professionals, we'll just follow state law and state regulations. Uh, and we'll keep it uniform statewide and comply with state law. Right. And it, it was, I saw there was making a distinction between um, personal services and professional services. And that right. By using personal services, simplify the process as opposed to our can, can you talk about what, what kind of what the how that what the difference and why why we're looking at um, prof professional services again for them, those 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 jobs that are defined by statute to, to require um, basically a skill based uh, selection process and those are architects um, landscape architects, surveyors, um, the uh, computer mapping type of people, those kind of things have to be selected basically based on their skill sets. Uh, personal services are um, something that we use a lot lately. It's, um, individuals who are like filling in uh, staff positions when we have staff vacancies. Uh, Rosemary Johnson is a good example. Um, that, that's a personal service. And then there's services, like janitorial services or, or things. Uh, personal services, uh, again, the, the, the method of contracting has been simplified quite a bit so that we don't, we can basically look at the skill sets of the person and employ them when it's necessary. Again, the city manager will have the authority to determine when it is or is not a personal services contract. Uh, services, for example, janitorial services, will still need to bid out in the, the uh, normal sorts of way. So we really have three different kinds of services. You know, services, personal services, and professional services. And there are limits on there are limits on all this too. So that keeps it from anything over like over 150,000 in some situation with county councils. Now, again, there's a variety of situations here, but they're they're all kind of capped. Anyway. Everything over fifty thousand would come to you. Everything, everything. Essentially, everything. this just uh, changes the way that we can select uh, the person that's going to provide the services, okay. gonna, which sure. going to be selling goods. Okay, thank you, Mayor. I can ask a question to Mr. Hemsgard. Um, Mr. Hemsgard, is it correct that uh, the code that uh, this brought before council is based upon the model code prepared by the League of Oregon Cities. With very few changes, it's exactly that code. Could we have a motion then to hold the first reading? Um, I move we have the first reading on um, the new contracting code. A second. Ms. Brooks? An ordinance amending public contracting regulations for the city of Astoria. 
Item 7D is authorization for mayor and city manager to sign for street sweeper purchase. So uh, the Public Works Department has solicited quotes for a new 2020 street sweeper to replace a 1998 TEMCO model that has ended its productive service life for the city. Um, in the budget for uh, the 2019-2020 Public Works Improvement Fund, um, there were funds allocated for the first installment of a new street sweeper, so that was included in the budget for this new fiscal year, which is starting today. So um, the new street uh, sweeper was, is proposed to be purchased through what's called a cooperative procurement contract administered by Sourcewell, and the city's procurement code allows for these cooperative procurements to be made without solid competitive solicitations, which brings more efficiency to the process. This is how we purchased uh, new fire trucks over the years, as well as other public works, uh, large pieces of equipment. <clears throat> the public works department has spent the last several months allowing multiple vendors to demonstrate a variety of those models. And through this review process, the Elgin model uh, was determined to be best to serve the needs of the city. An approved vendor of Sourcewell is Owen Equipment Company, and they're uh, the dealer for Northwest Oregon. The Sourcewell contract price, which was established for this uh, street sweeper, is $263,011. So the Public Works and Finance Departments um, have been working on a five-year lease purchase agreement, and the lease and its associated uh, finance charges could not be finalized <clears throat> until the purchase of the street sweeper is approved by council. Uh, there's a current estimate of $305,000, including the interest. So tonight it's recommended that council approve the lease purchase and authorize the mayor and city manager to sign the final documents for this new street sweeper. Discussion? Well, I do have a question about um, where the funds would come from in the second through fifth year to pay for the street sweeper. So this, would again, would be uh, need to be budgeted in subsequent years as a part of the public works. Just for my education, generally would um, funds for that come from fees that we all pay living in the town or water and sewer? Or? Yes, it is part of the planning for the public works department and as part of the rate structure, some of the, um, the fees are sent to the public works improvement fund for exactly this type of thing, to keep our um, our equipment current, and um, and so we pay all of our debt service out of the, of the public works improvement fund each year. Thank you, and I just wanted to mention that one thing I learned about street sweeping in Astoria is it's not just for beautification. I think um, Director Harrington, you told me on my tour of the public works that <coughs> actually street sweeping sweeping is really important to pick up. Um, particles, whatever, that should not be going into our sewer system. Is that correct? Yes, uh, heavy metals like coppers and ink and lead. Thank you. I'm just curious about the useful life of a street sweeper and how long it will be responsible to get service out of a street sweeper. The last one we got used, we had to repair it and we that cheap, but we got it. Um, and I'm not sure exactly, I know it's a little, about 20 years old, I'm not sure exactly how long we've had it, but typical life is about 10 years. Could we have a motion to uh, authorize the mayor and city manager to sign for the street sweeper purchase? So moved. 
Aye. All in favor? Aye. 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 Item 7E is the Mill Pond Village property. So in November of 2018, City Council directed staff to contract with the real estate firm to market city-owned Mill Pond Pier Lots. And these Pier Lots are 12 platted lots donated to the city in 2013 by the developer of the Mill Pond Venerable Properties. Since that time, the city has paid fees to the Mill Pond Homeowners Association in excess of $64,000. Um, this was an item that came up for discussion um, with the city council during budget hearings. Um, not this last round, but the one prior. Um, and that is, uh, it was noted by staff that, that we uh, wish to be able to uh, be able to no longer own these properties if they were, um, we're just going to be paying um, the homeowners association fees. Um, and there was a discussion with council and there were different options presented to council. And, and in the end, the council wanted to put the, uh, the lots on the market to see whether or not there were any interested purchasers. So the city contracted with area properties as we had an earlier professional contracting agreement with them. And to date, no offers on the properties have been forthcoming since uh, they were marketed by area properties. Uh, the Mill Pond Homeowners Association has stated that there was no interest on part of the formal organization to purchase these lots. However, staff and Mary uh, Wickstrom from area properties had discussions with individual homeowners that are most affected by the possibility of development on the pier lots and would like to have them remain as open space. A group of these homeowners have accumulated tentative commitments in amount of approximately $11,500. The donors would prefer to make a contribution in the form of a donation uh, to a nonprofit organization such as the Astoria Parks and Recreation Community Foundation for tax purposes. The foundation is willing to receive those funds. Um, if this would, were to move forward, the funds would then be transferred to the city and be used to decommission these lots. It should be noted that should council uh, wish to accept this concept, uh, it would be noted that the Pergola Park on the Mill Pond is a city park, however, owned by the Mill Pond Homeowners Association, making the pier lots open space would presumably add to the area of the Pergola Park. So tonight, staff recommends that the council consider a tentative offer, offer from the homeowners. Uh, if the council is interested in moving forward with the offer, staff and the city attorney would be working to develop a formal proposal to bring back to council at a future meeting. Um, the other option for you uh, would be to con uh, consider uh, to continue to have them on the market um, if you so desire. So this is really great, I think. Um, I was just thinking about this this last week about that property out there and that it's been on the market for how long? What would well, we, um, we got direction in November of 2018, uh, so, you know, approximately six, a little over six months. Yeah, and, and this is not the first time we put it on the market, and we, nobody's shown interest in buying these, and for good reason, because you have to build up over water, it's very expensive to do so, um, and it is cost, it's been costing us uh, money and dues. Um, so, that was $3,600 a year, and Plus, I guess my thought this last week was, could we just give it to them? Could, could they just take it off our hand because it's not going to sell? It's just costing us money. And I think it would enhance the overall uh, property, and I see that's within the text here. So I'm really in favor of um, going forward with this. Um, 
my, I guess my question is, the pergola park, would that be, um, is that still city park? That is a city park, um, however, it's, it's maintained by the Mill Pond Homeowners Association. Um, some of the discussions that we would need to have is if this was added uh, to the park area, uh, who would be responsible for uh, that maintenance? Yeah, I mean, that would something that have to be have to be discussed. I would see that as being a condition of, of, of taking the property. It's, it's adding to the park, and they would maintain that along with the rest of it. So, if, if that were the case, I'm I fully support this. It's just water, though, isn't it? Is there maintenance involved? Uh, there, there actually is bank uh, between oh, okay. the between the curb um, right. and the Mill Pond Homeowners Association. Yeah, the, the, but uh, the counselor to let you know the Mill Pond Homeowners Association. Um, um, th there have been uh, cases where you know we have needed to go out there and mow that bank. Uh, we have worked out some agreements in the, in the past for how to how to deal with that, but it is something that um, that does need some care. Okay, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I would I concur with Tom, and I spoke with a couple people that would have been impacted by uh, potential development that area um, and it just I'm definitely in favor of, of the people that live there having a say in, in kind of what happens next door to them and so um, I think this is a good is, is a good situation to, to entertain and I, I have the same question about as far as maintaining the, if the park is expanded um, I would also be in favor of, of seeing if as part of the agreement that um, the, that neighborhood association would be willing to continue to maintain it. Do you have any idea what the cost to the city is of decommissioning the lot? I said removing the curb cuts was one question. How many curb cuts are there there? Yeah, Jeff, I'm Mr. Harrington, if you could chime in on that between you and Mr. Morgan. And we have um, two driveway approach cuts that would need to be torn out, but not just to get rid of the driveway approach and put in curb, but we need to decommission the so what we'd be doing, what we normally do is we decommission um, water and sewer lines in the main. In this case, the sewer mains all the way across the street, so we'd have to tear up the whole street. It's very deep. So what we would do is decommission the sewer lines under the sidewalk, which is relatively safe if you do it correctly. The water line would have to be water services would have to be decommissioned back to the main, which is about four feet on the street. So we would have some pavement work, some concrete work. Our estimate was 15,000, so every dime of this would go towards that, and we just do everything we can to And it, are, will your staff do this work, or will it be contracted out, or will it be split? We would, um, we do not do concrete work or paving work, so that would all be contracted, and we would do the utility work. And the proposal from the neighbors was that uh, they give the money as a donation to the Parks Foundation, that doesn't, of course, not pay the city's expenses or what's your proposal? Right. Yeah. So in and so in the conversations with the uh, the Parks and Recreation Community Foundation is they would be willing to receive those funds and then transfer those to the city of Astoria to be able to be the receiver for tax purposes for those individuals. Um, the Parks and Community Foundation has done that before, particularly with the Garden of Serving Waves. There were some donors. Uh, who preferred uh, to make donations to a 501c3. The, the city of Estoric is a nonprofit, uh, with some tax accountants preferred it to go directly to a pen 
And in that case, the foundation transferred those funds over to the city for that project as well. I guess I, I guess I just wonder. Um, the main advantage of doing this is getting the city out from under the payments to the homeowners association. Yes, and that's part of a contract, I guess, that was agreed to at some point that you know, we would make those payments on those lots until they were sold. Is that um, actually, it's any um, it's part of the due structure of the of the home the homeowner the homeowners association. We are a, a party to that since we own lots. Well, were it not for that, I probably would say we wouldn't hang out to it because it's showable land. And uh, how much showable land do we have here? And, and they may not be attractive now because of the cost of development, but five years from now, that's a good change. But, you know, I can't see us paying six, what, what, 60? We budgeted $13,000 for this fiscal year. For this year. Yeah, so I. I I kind of feel two ways about that. I, I know it's the cost of development that's making, that preventing the interest in those properties, although some people have done it. Um, I, I, I wouldn't know, Catcher. These are a little bit different in that they will, they're smaller lots mm -hmm. than um, the, the other pure lots, because other individual houses on individual lots, this would have a shared driveway with. Um, Truly, cottages was what was envisioned there that would be um, very small. And, and Which was sort of the original vision for the Belmont Fisherman's Cottages. So, uh, well, I, I'm not opposed to it. I just, I guess, wondering what other things might happen there and whether there was any practical and permissible use for that property that wouldn't involve all the cost of the market, So, yeah, well, if, if, I think if you look at the, look back, look at the plot flat on that, the lots, they actually, there's what, like six lots on there or something like that, and they're, they're all over the water. Yeah. To get to the end one, you got to start, you got to kind of share your way out there. I mean, it's really a, a very, I mean, I even thought, well, gee, maybe we can invest in those, you know, figure out a way to build there and just make one lot and one home there or something like that, but it just seemed a little too onerous to go that route. And how long have we been uh, owners of this? Since uh, 2013. So we've been paying since 2013. And I just think it's time to stop bleeding on this one. Well, I have a quick question, and this might sound uh, uneducated, but are they, so are the, the individuals interested in um, that have raised this funding, are they forming an LLC specifically for the purpose of buying a lot and then they would collectively own it? No, no, no. They're proposing to make donations up to a certain amount in turn to be able to um, undevelop uh, those properties and make them public as in open space. Okay, so they would turn into public. Right. The idea is, is, that, is that these lots, which are these simple lots, which the city of Astoria owns, would be deep platted in some way um, and, and um, we are still working on the process by which we would accomplish that um, and then aggregate all of that land into the Pergola Park. Okay. And Councilor Rock, I, I shared your sentiments and that's why back last year uh, when it was 
recommended that we um, simply uh, divest ourselves of this property that we try to sell them because I was hoping someone would buy them to be able to build them because they were they were always intended to be built upon. Right. It was uh, that was and everyone who built on the other side of the pond knew that they those they could potentially be built upon and they might have their views impacted. But I think at this point it, clearly nobody is expressing any interest, so I'm ready to move forward. This is a recent proposal. I think we have one public comment, Mr. Farr. Christopher Ferrar, 3023 Harrison Avenue, Astoria. This is kind of a peripheral comment to what you're discussing on this, but I walk around Mill Pond frequently. In fact, I was walking around there this morning. And I like the idea of not building out over the pond. That's great uh, bird habitat down there. I don't know if any of you have been down there lately, but there's always a lot of ducks and other waterfowl out on the pond. And around the shore, there used to be a lot of shorebirds, and there are fewer now because somebody about a year or two ago decided to remove most of the vegetation around the border of the pond. And my comment is mainly to improve the habitat there for bird life and to plant some shrubs that are appropriate around the margin of the pond and make it a beautiful looking situation there, but also good <laughs> habitat for the birds. Um, unfortunately, the, where the co-op is, is built now or being built, and I'm a member of that and a supporter of it, it built over a wetland area. There was a little spring there and a big tree that got cut down. So this would be a chance to kind of make up for things that we've done wrong and to improve the habitat there. So I hope whatever controls the property now around the edge considers maybe doing a little bit to enhance the habitat. <coughs> so I'm in favor of the basic idea that you're discussing. Thank you. Well, that is a good thought. Kind of, could that be part of the discussion going forward? Forward, whether something like that can happen. So, so I, yeah, my my suggestion, and, and if anyone wants to comment, I know we have people that are members of the HOA. I don't know if you're representing the HOA, but you're residents of Mill Pond. Um, so, if if we turn this property over as part of the park, the arrangement would be the same as for the existing park, which is that the HOA has assumed the responsibility to hire the landscaper and to maintain the landscaping. So if a specific landscaping plan was being proposed by a citizen, I think the HOA would, would need to consider that and they would vote whether they would approve that or not for their, for their part. Right, and this property is just, that we're talking about, is just a very small section. So you're, you're talking about the whole thing. I guess the HOA, something they can consider, but the city doesn't have much say in that. You're welcome to come to the podium. Okay, well, I didn't know if you want me to respond to some of those things. It's up to you, but okay. if you do, your name and address, please. Okay, Cheryl Story, uh, 2605 Mill Pond, and I'm one of the private homeowners, because this is completely a private homeowner thing, and the HOA is, is not a party to the proposal just because of the way the bylaws, the CC and ours go, um, you know, because of the of the whole approval. Now the whole thing about the pond is that's a lot of private ownership around the pond. So it's the landowners and the pond was cleared out because it was an overgrowth of blackberries and that's why the pond was cleaned out and there's been discussion about what kind of 
planting can go in that area where the HOA can pl actually plant. And I am part of the landscape committee at this time. <laughs> so um, I just wanted to share that if there was any other questions. Thank you. Do you have a card or something? Huh? Do you have a card? No. Couple things I wanted to add during the comments. Number one on the plantings. When the mill pond was originally constructed, quite a bit of effort went into wetlands plantings in the pond. We actually constructed two wetland terraces and planted them. Beth Holland uh, did a beautiful design. We had a, a Kathleen Sace, who was a local wetland scientist, uh, working with us on that. And, and then it took. And it was probably because of the contamination of the pond. So we guessed either the contamination or the fact that it's tidally influenced in, in brackish water. Um, blackberry just tends to be what is most resilient there. Blackberry is what was there when, we, when, when the before, before it was developed. Uh, but yeah, it'd be great to see something. There was the intention of having it. And then the other thing on, on cost to add to is, um, City Manager SS has mentioned the uh, process that we're going to have to go through to figure out how to get rid of these lots or, or transform the open space. We don't really know the exact mechanism or what the associated costs are. My ability to have a staff might be hire a surveyor if we have to do the plan preparation. So there could be some unknown costs there. But before we came back to council with the final proposal, we have that. Well, you have to spend money to save money. That's pretty much how it works. Could we have a motion to move forward with uh, this project? That's not the right word. Yeah, so we need a motion for this. You just were looking for direction from us to bring something back. Yeah, I think if there was a motion, you know, to uh, direct staff to, uh, if, if the council is in concurrence uh, and is in agreement uh, uh, with the tentative offer from the homeowners to uh, direct staff and the city attorney to develop a formal proposal um, to. Uh, Accomplish what is addressed in the memo. Can I so move? Yes. Awesome. Thank you. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Okay, so we'll start working on that in, in further. Um, we have NRA, as I said, and as, as Mr. Hamilton said, been talking with the city attorney, um, been trying to be able to formalize this, but we just didn't want to go too far on working on a specific process without getting ahead of the city. Thank you. Mike Morgan gets to leave. <laughs> Sorry, Mike. We kept you so long. Uh, item 7F, the license to occupy a portion of the 14th Street right away adjacent to 342 12th Street. 14th Street. So the city has received a request from Paul Carolina of the Astro Hotel to occupy a portion of the 14th Street right away in order to construct a patio and an ADA ramp to accommodate uh, ADA access to the main entrance of that building. City staff reviewed the application and can support the issuance of what's called a license to occupy of the right-of-way with the conditions noted in the memo. I would note um, condition number five, which talks about construction of improvements must comply with all applicable city codes. Um, and I did get a question from a citizen today about um, whether or not this required historic landmarks commission review, and that is correct. It would require a review by the historic landmarks commission uh, for uh, this uh, improvement, and Mr. Caruana is, is aware of, of that requirement as well, but I, I did get a call from a citizen asking that um, this morning. 
So uh, it is recommended that City Council approve the license to occupy subject to the conditions noted um, for a six foot by 10 inch by 25 foot portion of the 14th Street right away. <coughs> Excuse me. And um, if you have any questions, uh, Mr. Harrington can answer those uh, if you have any. Well, I do have a couple questions, maybe for Mr. Caruana, or but I can start with Mr. Harrington. Um, going by the 14th Street entrance, if I'm assuming it's the main entrance, it looks like it's accessible. So I'm just curious how this would improve the accessibility. Yeah, I think that this may be more of a, a question for Mr. Caruana. Okay. side of the ramp almost complies with historic, none of it complies with new, and we're, we're attempting to make the doors automated so they open out to make access you know, easier. But what happens when the doors open out, they potentially push someone uh, in a walker or a wheelchair, you know, down a ramp that falls too steeply. So, and by putting this patio there and extending the ramp to the south, it's the it's the way we can do this and have the, lamp, the ramp be as, uh, as short as possible. It's about five feet long. Okay. So it'll meet all the new the current standards. And, uh, it just makes access in general a lot easier for the property. Okay, well that's great. And then patio is, I'm assuming that's not a patio like most of us would imagine? Yeah, it's basically from the current front doors we would come out almost level. It would just drop enough for water to fall off. So we come out from the doors out, it's about five and a half feet to the edge of the sidewalk and we go out an additional few feet, I can't remember, it's only a little under six feet, and, and that's for the ramp to take off to the south. Um, so it, it's called a patio, but it's really just a flat, a reasonably flat area to gain access you know, from the sidewalk to the front doors without ever feeling like you're on a steep surface. Great, that makes sense, thank you. Yeah. Anything else while I'm up here? Any other discussion items? I think the only other question I had is, is in terms of people going, attempting to go by on 14th Street, that going to impede uh, their progress in any way? Yeah, we have uh, six and a half feet of sidewalk from the face of the planters to the edge of the street. So it'll still be six and a half feet, which is almost double the width of an ADA pathway. Great. Thank you. And did you want to speak? Yeah, I do. Please go on. And uh, possibly my comments are turning into more of a question. I stopped. Uh, I received, oh, excuse me. My name is Sunny Bell. I'm a property owner at uh, 1310 Duane Street, which is the Sunflower Dairy building in Milwaukee Park. And so we're very health-oriented. And I stopped by the uh, city the other day just to check with the department right across Darla and I talked with her and the new person coming in there and they were very accommodating to me. But it was our, uh, I was indicated to me that this was going to be a place of seating for people outside and we're very concerned about the fact that the possibility that that would contribute to more smoking on the sidewalk area that would right away 
uh, change and told me what I'm learning tonight, I don't think that I understood that correct in the first place. So it doesn't sound like a patio, as you're saying, is actually a patio like we were thinking of it. I just want to make sure that it's not going to lead to gathering of people who are going to be smoking there because we're already being inundated by it. While I have this platform, I want to suggest that the council would at some point take on very soon the problem of the cigarette smoke, and not only cigarette smoke, I have to tell you, yesterday afternoon, my granddaughter and I were attempting to paint an area on the front side of the Sunflower Dairy Building, and I had to bring her inside because of the amount of marijuana smoke coming from the uh, area across, I can see it here where the trailer, the little food carts are. And I'm sorry to say that people are being somehow permitted to smoke marijuana there, and it's coming across the street entirely. So that's my concern, that we won't be contributing to any more production of inhalable smoke in the outdoor areas. Oh, and while I also have this platform, I would like to highly recommend that we would consider as a city extending the 10 foot from a building entrance to at least 25 feet, which I learned is the Washington State uh, advisor law. And in Las Cruces, New Mexico, where I moved from some years ago, we succeeded because of it. I was a nurse working in the hospital there, and as a newborn baby was being wheeled out into the uh, car of the mom, holding her in the wheelchair as she's going out, first breath that baby took was cigarette smoke. And at that time, there was a 10-foot limitation on smoking, even in front of the hospital, but also throughout the city. And so we went beyond the state requirement, and we changed that actually to 50 feet. But I'd be pretty happy with 25. Thank you. Thank you. So, uh, Chief Spaulding, is that what is the current ordinance regarding uh, publicly smoking marijuana outdoors? Well, uh, first off, it's a, a smoking ordinance that applies to public buildings. Of course, 10 feet within an entrance to a public building applies. And then the actual uh, smoking of the marijuana is prohibited in public parks. Well, actually, we're trying to make it prohibited in public parks, but it's now legal to smoke in, in an outdoor area. It, it is legal, you said, or it's not? It, well, it's, I'm sorry, I'm confusing you. So I'm confusing with smoking. So the marijuana smoking is not. So, so what's place. the procedure when that happens again? Call the police. Absolutely. Give us a call. That's what I was, that's what I was thinking this would lead to, yes. So if that happens in the future, man, just if you're comfortable doing so, call the police to report it and they'll send, send someone. Yes. Okay. And were you suggesting earlier that we should not have patio seating outside of residential clubs so that people, because people might smoke? Because it is, yes. as indicated, it is already illegal to smoke within 10 feet of the entrance to a restaurant or a pub. Right. And so if you see that, again, much. I would encourage you to call the police. Yeah. And I guess my point also is that there's not enough distance. There's no way to really protect an entrance when it's only 10 feet. The smoke travels further than that. Thank you. Oh, may I speak to the alley very quickly? Well, why don't we wait until yes. we have okay. a general comment period All right. our meeting. <laughs> so uh, is there any other council discussion on this item? I'm just wondering what our process would be if, if uh, the council did want to extend the smoking from 10 to 25 feet. How would we go about that? Well, could we could we take care of this item here sure. and just get it off the books here? I'd like to make a motion uh, to approve the license to occupy 
uh, subject conditions for a six foot by 10 inch by 25 foot portion of 14th Street right away adjacent to 342 14th Street for the purpose of constructing a patio on ADA ramps to improve accessibility to the main entrance of the building, that being the Astor Street Hotel. I second that. Aye. 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 Opposed? Now, uh, we'll go into um, new items, and I believe there's a new item that's just been asked about extending the uh, distance required for a public smoking. So, um, I'm going to, um, between myself and maybe Chief uh, Spalding, try to answer some of this. Um, we have received some some questions from some other folks about uh, downtown, and I think that Councilor Herman um, has received uh, some of those questions as well from from someone downtown. Um, at least um, I believe that individual um, has been advised to talk to the public health department, and the public health department um, has been looking at some different um, smoking provisions within the community. Um, also, um, this individual has been asked to coordinate also with Sarah Lou Heath of the Downtown Association to, uh, because um, they represent all the, the different merchants downtown. But she's falling, you know, the 10-foot provision is a state statute, isn't that correct? Correct. And so, do you know offhand city's ability to further that that no smoking zone offhand in terms of that? I don't, but I, I believe you could do it by through city ordinance. Uh, clearly a question for the city attorney, but if it's long, it's not less restricted than the state's ordinance. Okay. So at least I, I know that there's been some discussion at least, and there's intended to be some conversation between um, uh, Mr. McNichol of the county health department and, uh, and some individuals who were considering this. Um, wanting to bring this forward um, in the in the downtown core, uh, the proposal I believe was looking at a smoking ban throughout the entirety of downtown. Oh. <laughs> Is what um, a citizen was interested in. That's that's right. Any other new business from the council? We're now open the meeting to public comment on any other topic that's not already been discussed. So would that be the 13th Street Alley? Absolutely. <laughs> I think I've identified possibly my council member of the building. Anyway, um, it yeah. is beautiful. And you have to tell us who you are. Yeah. Oh, sorry, sorry. The Sunny Bell. being recorded. Okay, Sunny Bell. My business address is 1310 Duane Street. Um, so now, yes, you were right. That the alleyway is beautiful. And I was so happy to be able to be a participant in the decision making on what went in there. So that is great. We have had a problem for a long time with cigarette smoking in the alley. Whichever way the wind is blowing, it is prompted. Smoke is, goes right through the alley. The person smoking doesn't even get their own smoke back because of the draw of air through the alley. And so it will come right out the other side. And so that's an ongoing problem. And it seems to be even a very sad problem now that we have a beautiful alley there. So I don't know the solution for that, but I would like to see if there's some way that we could eliminate the smoking inside the alley. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Any other public comments? I'll ask my colleagues to stick around for a minute. We have some paperwork that all the counselors need to sign. And we are adjourned.